I'm Megan Skidmore, and welcome to the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt. I'm a woman, daughter, sister, spouse, mother, life coach, and person of faith on a mission to normalize asking questions and allowing doubts on a faith journey and all aspects of life. Join me as I bring this traditionally taboo topic out of the shadows of shame and into the light. I firmly believe we normalize through more talking and engaging in discussion. More talking peels back, exposes, and erases the layers of shame associated with asking questions and allowing doubts. When we are more authentic about our journey, we are more powerful because shame has no power in the face of authenticity. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt podcast. Today, I have a guest I couldn't have imagined having a year ago, and that is Buzz Shalati. The one, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm going to edit that out. Buzz Shalati. I know how to say your name. <laughs> um. I have actually interviewed your son before. It is a privilege to get to chat with you today. So welcome. Thank you. Um, I got to meet you in person just a few weeks ago at the Gather Conference. And what a treat that was, both meeting you and being there in person at the conference. So I... Um, that's when I shared with you about this podcast that I have. I started it because... Well, I felt like I was supposed to. I I kind of resisted those inklings, that intuition, that feeling I was getting from the divine. I I put it off for a while. And um well, I'm I haven't looked back ever since starting it over a year ago. And I am so enriched and so blessed and feel so grateful for the beautiful stories that I get to hear and get to share with my listeners. So with that, I want to give you as much time as I can to tell us all about you and we'll get into some, we'll dive into your faith journey and what that's been like as a parent of a, of a gay son who also is of the LDS faith, a conservative faith background. I um, work with folks of all faith backgrounds, so I will generally use terms that encompass all of those backgrounds. So um, would love to get to know you first. Just tell us a little bit about you, kind of your origin story, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, uh, you know, where you're from, your family, um, your faith of origin. I don't assume that it's the one that you currently um, practice. And if if knowing Ben and the the funny guy that he is, uh, I'm sure the apple isn't falling too far from the tree. Would love if you have a funny story you want to throw in there. I won't hold you back. <laughs> well, uh, I'm a young 78 years old. Yes. I've been at Washington all my life, except for Army and college. I met my wife in 1971 when we got married. Neither of us had any really religious affiliation. But in 1972, the missionaries knocked on our door. We... Oh. In the church on October 14th, 1972, have been active ever since. We have four adult children, one of which you've spoken of is Ben. They're all active in the church and they all hold the uh, current temple recommend. I was a high school teacher for 10 years and then I owned a real estate office, Shalati Properties, for 25 years, and that brings us up to today. Awesome. And you still are in the Seattle area, the Washington area. Yes, I still live in the same house. We purchased this house in uh, 1973, paid it off 20 years ago. And mm -hmm. all of our kids, when they were born, came home to the house we're in right now. Oh, wow. The house that I can see. Wow. So you met the missionaries in the 
early seventies and you, you mentioned you weren't really affiliated with any faith prior to that. Well, my brother just graduated from Stanford university and he moved to Salt Lake city. And uh, my right. wife and I went back to visit him. He had no affiliation with the church, neither did we. And he took us on a tour of Temple Square because we had nothing else to do. So I said, well, I'll go ahead and sign the guest book. And my brother said, don't. If you sign the guest book, they'll stick the missionaries on you. And I said, <laughs> no big deal. I can handle them. So oh. at the time, there was one mission in the entire state of Washington. And they sent a copy of what I'd signed in the guest book. And they called it a lead strip. So my wife and I are called lead strip baptisms. And the funny part of it is later after joining the church, I became a stake missionary in 70. And I probably knocked on about 30 doors checking uh -huh. out those lead, lead strip uh, referrals. And uh -huh. a single one of them let us in. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's a new term for me. I'm a lifelong member. I've never heard of the lead strip. Well, the, the, uh, the uh, guest book then was, it was really large and wide. Uh -huh. So it off the, the whole, there were several uh, strips on each page. It was probably a foot and a half long. So they cut out that long strip oh, oh. to the mission home in Bellevue, Washington. And the missionaries came to our door and we bought it hook, line and sinker. And here we are 52 years later, still active in the church. Wow. Wow. So it was literal cut and paste, mail it off to Washington. And there you go. Um, so you were uh, a teacher by profession. You have four kids. You are no stranger to, um, to working with, with uh, youth, with young adults, you know, kind of that age range. Um, I have read Ben's book, and my understanding is that he did not come out to you all until a little bit later in his life. And by later, I mean past this kind of the teenage, young adult years, right? Yes. Well, that, that's really uh, quite a story because okay, uh, we, we all suspected that Ben was gay for a, a long, long time. Oh, really? Okay. A decade. So when he came out to us, it wasn't really a surprise at all. So in his book, my wife and I sound like heroes because we actually handled it perfectly. Now, had we not known and he come out to us, we may have handled it differently. So I'm glad that that we probably knew ahead of time. And my wife and I had planned ahead of time what to say if he ever did come out to us. The only disappointment I have is it is he he didn't come out to us first. He came out to one of his friends first. So I wish he'd come out to me. And I also have another experience I could tell you. I spent 15 months in the second infantry division. Uh, again, I was not a member of any church and there were some gays there. And occasionally uh, some of the troops would shove them in the shower or maybe push them down the stairs. And I always defended them. And I said, leave them alone. They're not hurting anybody. Uh -huh. And I had that experience before I joined the church. So in a way, I think I acted like a Christian before I was a Christian because I just thought it wasn't fair. And leave the guy alone. He's not hurting anybody. And I feel that way today. And so that would have been what, in the 60s time frame? I was in the army from 1966 to 1969. Most of this took place uh -huh. in the infantry division in South Korea uh, in 1967. 
And then a little bit later in 1968, when I returned to the United States to finish my last year and a half. So I'm glad now I can say to Ben and my kids, even before I knew anything really about Christianity, I supported those gay people because they weren't hurting anybody. They weren't bothering me. I think that's really beautiful. Um, I think that's that speaks volumes of who you are as a person and that you were you and your wife were and are the perfect parents for Ben and his journey. So you you did not really grow up with any faith background necessarily. This was just coming from your place of being a decent, you know, moral, kind human being. Well, first of all, Megan, I like to say what a wonderful wife Ginny is. She's just been mm-hmm. Now, I had attended the Lutheran Church maybe once or twice a year with my mother. Uh, Jenny had attended the Episcopalian Church occasionally. So we believed in God. We were Christians. We didn't go to church. I never read the Bible at all. But when I was in the Army, I began to read the Bible because when I was in the 2nd Infantry Division, there were times when I thought, you know, I might die tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. When we got married, we decided we should go to church. So it was either going to be Episcopalian for Jenny or Lutheran for me. And we picked the Lutheran church because it was the closest one to our home. And we went probably every week for about a month. And then it kind of faded away because there just really wasn't anything there for us. But then when we attended the LDS church, it was a whole different feeling, a whole different spirit. And uh, we, we joined the church, you know, right away. That's, that's great. Um, yeah, I appreciate that additional insight into your upbringing. Um, so if we could fast forward a little bit, you, you got married, you found the the church and you joined the church, you had four kiddos, four kids. You said that you were suspicious or you already had inklings that Ben identified as gay. When would you say you first started to have those thoughts or those you suspected that that was his identity well i think it was when he was really when he was really young okay well i don't want to say too much about that we just had we just had a hunch we didn't have a problem with it but to me though the beauty of it was megan as i think i probably already mentioned we knew ahead of time and we planned what to say before he came out whereas so many parents don't know till their their mm-hmm. son comes out and it catches them completely off guard. I don't know how we would have responded had we not had that inkling ahead of time. So I'm really glad we did. And I think we uh-huh. just maybe consider that a, a, a tender mercy. But I can say this about Ben. He he was born great. He was he just does. a wonderful, wonderful son. Uh, you know, the church, at least in our area, spends a lot of money trying to get young men to go on missions, to go to seminary. Uh-huh. Uh, Ben was a freshman. There was early morning seminary. He said, Mom and Dad, you don't have to get up and make breakfast. I'll go on my own. You don't have to take me. We couldn't have kept Ben away from seminary had we tried. He was born great. He was born a servant of God. And I I can't say enough about what a wonderful uh, young man he is. He's awesome. Agreed. Yes. If you're comfortable sharing um, those, you know, just, uh, the discussions that you and your wife had, like, 
what what did that sound like? You you said you planned ahead what you were going to say if or when that day would come. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about that that process and what you decided that you would say? Well, sure, Megan, I'll be happy to do that. I, I can revert that back to the days when I was teaching high school. Um, uh-huh. So I, I knew teenagers, and I often say that while my wife and I made most of our mistakes on other people's kids, so things <laughs> <laughs> happened in high school. And when our, our daughter was born, I was a really good friend with the, the cheerleaders at Snohomish High School, and we came up with a plan, even though our daughter was just a newborn, if she ever came home and said she was pregnant, we decided that we were going to say, we love you, we're going to take care of it, everything's going to be great. And we did the same thing with Ben, and we meant it. So we kind of planned ahead. Now, of course, our daughter has kept her covenant. She didn't come home pregnant, but we were prepared to do that. And mm-hmm. that's because we were uh, teaching teenagers, and we knew most of the foibles in their lives and the things that could happen. So I think that even though people say, how can you be a teacher? You don't make any money. The things we've learned as teachers and dealing with people are absolutely priceless. Yeah, I'm sure that gave you a front row seat to a lot of kids' journeys at that time. Was there an experience of a certain student or family that maybe stands out in your mind uh, that that really struck a chord with you that kind of helped propel you or or led you in this this way of thinking and um, just leading with love. Well, I think one of the, one of the keys to uh, family is just loving no matter what they do. We don't come with a handbook. Our kids don't come with a handbook on what to do. You just love them and support them. Now, all all four of our kids are different, and we supported them and what they did. We had two who played uh, college sports uh, scholarships. Uh, Ben did crew. We supported him in that. He liked to go to the Woodland Park Zoo. I took him to the zoo when he wanted to go. So even though our four kids are vastly different, we supported them in everything they did. And we were there and attended their events uh, almost every time we seldom missed anything. That's that's great. That is just beautiful. Uh, if we could fast forward a little bit, um, and this kind of, this might intertwine with a little bit more of your faith journey. I remember when I read in Ben's book, uh, Walk in My Shoes, that he published just a few short years ago, he shared something that you said you and your wife said to him at the time, it might've been maybe a few years later, actually, that something to the effect that you understood if he, or, or that you would still love him. I'd love to get your, your viewpoint. If he chose to live uh, as a gay man in his authentic, as his authentic self as a gay man, um, I would love to hear how that was for you as his parent. Oh, well, I don't remember the exact incident. What I think I remember is Ben and I were talking in the backyard one day, and I said, if you are married to another man, we will love and support him. You're both welcome in our home. Mm -hmm. Uh, We 
feel that it's not right for man to be alone. We don't want anybody to be lonely. And whatever Ben does, we will support him 100%. It's the same way with our other three children. So mm -hmm. we have no problem with it. I think one thing that might have helped me was our next door neighbor has lived there 35 years. She's a lesbian and as wonderful a neighbor as you could be. And even before Ben was born, uh, we used to change oil in our Bronco uh, on a place we call the House on the Hill. And my dad and I did that occasionally. He usually did it. But when my father had congestive heart failure, he couldn't do it anymore. I drove the three miles out to his house to change his oil. But the neighbor across the street who was a gay man had already done it. Oh, so wow. I had a tremendous a rapport with gay people, as I mentioned in the army, mm -hmm. with uh, that man whose name was Alan for Karen next door. So mm -hmm. the people I knew with with uh, the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community were just wonderful, wonderful people. And I always had good experiences with them. And because I supported them in the army mm -hmm. under circumstances, uh, they looked up to me. So I have never had a problem with that orientation at all. Mm. Wow. I... I am in awe and also just, uh, I just, I'm so grateful that, um, that you are you, that you are who you are and that you can see people just in it for who they are and love them unconditionally. That is the definition of unconditional love. You see them as beautiful people, I think was the word that, that you used. Um, you know, your, your son is quite well known. And so, uh, in, in the LDS faith in the LDS, especially LGBTQ plus space community. One of the things that I like to address or just talk about is how to talk about these, um, I'll just call them subjects. This, this space within our faith communities. I find with uh, some of the people that I meet, some of them I interview on my podcast, others I just talk with one-on-one. -on -one. For some, it's not a, a, a place that they would naturally think of to bring up questions or concerns or even just um, what they're feeling in general about this, this journey that they're on, particularly parents when they, um, when they know that their, you know, their child has shared with them that they identify, you know, as either LGBTQ or something else. What, um, what can you share with us that, you know, happens in your faith community, what makes you comfortable or what has helped you to feel comfortable talking about this over the years? I mean, you're several decades into this, which is actually very impressive. Um, I don't talk to many that have this, this experience that you do. As a matter of fact, you're the first LGBTQ plus dad that I've interviewed. I would love to hear what that has been and continues to be like for you? Well, first thing I'd like to say, a little bit off topic, but you sure. know, when kids to be in middle school or a little bit younger, they don't want their parents around. But, you know, they, when you show up at school, you embarrass your kids. 
And I hope now that Ben's an adult and I'm on this podcast that I'm not <laughs> embarrassing him. This is my inaugural hump. I've never been on a on a podcast before. But what I can say is that we have in our stake many, many wonderful people. And in all the years this has been going on, not one member of our ward or our stake has ever said a negative thing to me. I've probably given away about five copies of Ben books. I'm sure there are 50 people in our stake who've purchased the book. They follow him online. And uh uh, it's kind of brought me into prominence. So I hope with Ben, I'm not uh, messing anything up today by embarrassing him. But I've not had negative comments uh, from anybody. And if I could just relate one other story. Uh, sure. In trying to be an ally, I do everything I can to be an ally. So at the senior center a week and a half ago, they were having uh, the candidates there. And there was a candidate there from the Everett School Board. So Ben was home and I said, let's go down there and meet this man and just see what he thinks about LGBTQ. So during the question and answer uh, period, and there were about 50 people there, I asked him if how he felt or what was his position on having an LGBTQ committee for students on campus. And he gave a really good answer, which we were satisfied with. And then he said, well, I'm not sure I understand your question. What do you mean? And I said, are you in favor of having support groups for LGBTQ students on campus or not? And he said he was. And the interesting thing to me was, Megan, of the approximate 50 people there, nobody said a word. Nobody took a side either way. But by going there and asking him that question, I think was an ally, I was an ally to many people in the three yeah. high schools. Every school district, I think there's four now in all the middle schools that I was an ally for them right at that time. Uh, but nobody said anything negative to me and nobody ever has. N never to my face of all the people I know. And I think part of that is because they they know us. They know my wife. And of oh, course, they know Ben. He's just a staunch, staunch Christian. You couldn't ask for a better son. So I it strikes me that this is why it's so um, helpful and important to for to have opportunities to listen to people's stories and to share your story doesn't mean you need to get on a podcast like this. Um, it doesn't mean you need to write a book like Ben did, but even just one-on-one, -on -one, um, I'm sure when you have been there in the past, prior to this visit that Ben made with you, there is trust that has been built. There is rapport and a relationship there that helps them know who you are. Same, same with your neighbors that you've mentioned and the, the individual up the hill down the street there that helped with the oil changing. Stories are so important. Stories, I believe, soften and, and change hearts. They open, they kind of break the hearts open and help them receive more love and in turn give more love. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. I'm sure that um, there have been many whose lives have been touched by knowing you and your family. And I think the same is possible and can be true for those that are listening as well. People are watching your family, you know, your child or you as a parent and taking note and you might not know that now, or maybe five years down the road, who knows, 
but you're making a difference just by being uh, living living your life and being who you are and you are unapologetic about having a gay son if i could share one other story of course for us it's it's very very important to listen more than we talk to hear another person's story and just uh, i think it was only four or five days ago ben and i went to a, a seminar uh in the Redmond, Washington area, not too far from our home. I think there were 50, 60 people there and Ben gave a presentation, had a Q&A series. And afterwards, of course, there were a lot of refreshments. And there was this one lady standing off to the side and I walked by her a couple of times and I really didn't know what to say. So I finally went over there and I said, you know, what brings you here tonight? And she says, well, I'm not a member of your church. I provided a ride for somebody else. And I says, well, do you have a story? And believe it or not, she told me that just a few days before, her sister had died by suicide. She said that they were members of another faith. When the mother found out, she said, you're going to hell, kicked her out, and that resulted in a suicide. So I got Ben right away. I took two copies of his book. I got Ben over there immediately to meet her. Ben talked to her, uh, signed a copy of her book, wrote a nice note in it for her. So by being willing to listen, we do more than when we're just talking. Mm -hmm. And I think the part that I think is astonishing is that we can't change anybody else. We can only change ourselves, but we can act like Christians. We can be compassionate. We can listen and we can try to understand the best we can the other person's point of view. Because to them, their point of view is just as valid, if not more valid than our own. That's that's so true. And I love that you said we can only change ourselves and we can ask questions and we can listen. I think um asking questions is is um something that we could do more in our faith communities. I think there is not always a feeling of safety in presenting questions of asking them or even actually admitting that you have them in the first place because of the way having doubts or having questions is perceived among not just the LDS faith community, but pretty much all conservative faith communities. You're seen as kind of an other if you have them. Not always. I think there are some changes that really can be it, it's dependent upon the the congregation. How how does that that seems to come so naturally to you? Uh, just being okay with that. What can you give us some insight into? You know, giving yourself permission, as well as allowing, you know, each of your children and and by extension, you know, the the members of your faith community and whatnot to have their viewpoint to have their questions to and and even if it's different from what yours are or even from what the quote unquote prescribed way of thinking is well i, I think megan part of that started for me in the army okay everybody was treated exactly the same way we all had to do exactly the same things and we really weren't individuals and i didn't like that and then when i started teaching high school i realized all these different students 
were in, in many different ways were not the same. They were all their own special person. And I saw them from ninth graders to seniors change. They changed during that time. And I realized that people could change and they were all individuals. So I learned, I think early on, never to put anybody in the same round hole because we are all different. Many of us are allies to the LGBTQ community, but none of us uh, do it exactly the same way. So we do it the way the, the way we can. And I think another element of this too is that life is like a boomerang. What we send out, we get back. If we send out Christian vibes, we get Christian vibes back. But if we go in attacking, then we get attacked back. So I think the soft, softest approach is better, uh, recognizing that I think in almost every case, everybody in their own mind thinks they're right yet we still can can uh, live together. So it was easy for me to see, to finally let everybody have their own point of view because so many times in my life, you weren't allowed your own point of view. That is such a great analogy. Life is like a boomerang. Whatever you put out into the world is going to come back to you. And I think that's why I, in the beginning, it was really hard for me to talk or share about what I was going through. I'm, you know, five and a half, sorry, four and a half years into this. And so it's a little different now, but I have found the more um, vulnerable I'm willing to be. It's, it's a choice. I mean, not everybody's going to be the same and that's okay. You don't have to be as open as somebody else, but I have found that as I have been more open then that seems to invite others to share uh, their experiences. And it's an invitation for me, as you said earlier, to sit back and listen and let them share and just allow whatever it is that they want to share without judgment, without um, trying to put them in that, that round hole, that square peg in that round hole, you know? Right. I could share one other thing. Um, of course. I think we we can be better allies if we can admit that, admit that we've been wrong. So after the 10 years of teaching, I went over to my own real estate office, and now I'm looking at things from a business point of view. And Ben told me he was thinking about writing a book, and he told me what it was going to be about. And I said, don't waste your time on that book. There's not that many Mormons. There's not that many LGBTQ people. Nobody's going to buy that book. Oh, no. In reading the draft, of course, he didn't listen to my counsel. <laughs> Near the end of his book, the last two or three pages, he writes something like this. If you're tempted to give a copy of my book to somebody else, don't. Tell them, ask them to tell you their story. And I says, Ben, you can't put that in there. You want people to buy your book. Don't tell people not to buy it. So I admit I was wrong. And by hearing other people's stories, it's elevated my life. It's elevated many people when we just kind of bite our tongues and listen. Yes, that is that is so, Ben. That is one thing I have noticed is he um, he's willing to share his story, but he wants to hear yours. And I think that's a great thing that he he models and that he invites everyone to do. I appreciate very much that you are are willing to do this and and share your story as a as a parent of 
an LGBTQ plus parent, you said that we can be better allies if we could admit that we've been wrong. Uh, the thought occurs to me, I, I think that we could be better citizens, better Christians, better neighbors, <clears throat> better um, family members, whatever role that might be, a sibling or parent or child or whatever. It's okay to have been wrong in the past. We're all, we're all part of a, a global community. And one thing I've done over the years is try to participate uh, civically. Uh, for example, I've written letters to our Senator Patty Murray. I've written letters to our Senator Maria Cantwell over a, a many year period to our representative, uh, Rick Larson. Uh, they've responded. Uh, so I've been able to express my point of view. I ran for uh, a position on the Everett School Board 30 years ago. I got the big endorsement from the Everett Herald, but I, I didn't win the final. But I met a lot of people. And I think by being known in the community, it, it's helped It's helped all of us. And we had, Ben is our fourth child, and we had some really marvelous athletes in our family ahead of him, and they became well-known in the community. And I think that helped people accept him because he was known as coming from a, a, a family of, of athletes where people learned to work hard, the work ethic paid off. Uh, and I think all that boiled into one work like all all four of our kids have about whether well, they all they all have master's degree ben has two master's degree and a phd and my wife stressed education and mm -hmm. when you become educated then you're more well-rounded you can talk to people uh from from all phases of life and that makes it easier so we we believe in education every time we talk to somebody we learn more and we become more educated yeah i agree we do. Education I'm is... Learning, I'm learning from you. Sorry? I'm, I'm learning from you, Megan. <laughs> and I am learning from you. Education is a lifelong thing. It doesn't ever end. There's never a lack of something new to learn or to be insight to gain or to up-level in your understanding of something. And that is applicable in the spiritual education as well, I believe. And I think that's why it's so important to have conversations in these spaces. And um, I appreciate that you share how, you know, Ben was, was so loved on and so accepted and he's used that opportunity that those, not everybody has that blessing when, you know, they're occupying this space you mentioned the woman who, who came to the meeting a few weeks ago and the tragedy their family had experienced. And so I appreciate very much that um, you are using the blessings that you have received, the the space, the the place that you're in now to, you know, blaze a trail in the way that you know how and that you know best, and to help make that road a little bit easier for those who are also on it, who are about to occupy it, whether or not they know that, and to just make things better. We underestimate the power of one. Well, I think, too, if I could say one more thing, uh, my feeling is that our family is way better and more blessed because we have been as an LGBTQ member. 
our oldest son, our two oldest sons and our daughter, they've supported Ben and us as parents completely. They are better off before of it. And it's just beyond my comprehension how so many people can kick their teenage son or daughter out of the house when they find out they're gay. That is something I can't even begin to imagine. And mm -hmm. we're way better off because Ben is gay. Uh, and and I think it's just it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I'm glad we've all had this this experience. And if we could share it with somebody else, I mean, we're happy to do so. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Um, I I hope that um, this message reaches a lot of parents. And and no matter where you're at in your journey, or where you've been, or um, how you've handled things. There is another tomorrow. There's always another opportunity to show love. Uh, I think that finally allowing myself to ask questions and have doubts and not be, not feel shame about them and not feel like I shouldn't have them or that that made me less of a, a believer or a Christian it actually um, enriched and continues to enrich my my journey. Um, I interviewed Tom Christofferson not too long ago, and he he shared doubt refines faith, and I love that. I've always remembered that. It makes it more beautiful. It um, puts a shine on it. I guess you could say <clears throat> the name of my podcast is beyond the shadow of doubt. And I purposely dropped the A because I learned, you know, that was a, a statement I heard a lot growing up, a member of the LDS faith, like on testimony Sunday or in lessons and whatnot. But I, I learned that I don't know that you really can know something beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I decided I want to explore doubt a little more and get past this, this, I don't know, cloud of shame that might be, that, that feels like it's cast over it at times. And so move beyond that shadow of doubt and, and find the light. So I always like to ask my guests, what, um, what does it mean to you to live beyond the shadow of doubt. Well, Megan, I think what I could say about that is we make choices every day. And no matter what happens, one choice we can always make is to be of good cheer. We can always be nice to somebody we meet today. Whether they're nice to us or not, we can still be nice to them, even though the wrong thing may be happening. We may not be in a good mood, but we can still be nice to everybody else and project a positive attitude and project a good cheer. Mm -hmm. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that, regardless of the circumstance. And being of good cheer is so important because it affects it affects our entire our lives. It affects the people around us, and that's kind of kind of our goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can tell very much Ben gets his disposition, a lot of it I can see in you and feel in you. That is something that very much epitomizes the shalati. 
<laughs> don't ask me to write a book because I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. I won't ask you to write a book. Um, thank you so much for being willing to be open and share with me. I have just a few more questions. All I'm looking for is one word answers, one or two words. It's just for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better and kind of for fun. The first question is, what is your favorite book? You don't have to book. say Ben's, but you can. The Mormon. The Book of Mormon. Another test. Okay, awesome. Would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? I would say extrovert for sure. Yeah. What about, do you have a favorite artist? Well, if you mean by artist, if it's, if you mean by music artist, Taylor <laughs> Swift all the way, baby. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, are you a night owl or a morning lark? Oh, I'm I'm a morning mark. Yeah. I, I kind of guessed that. All right. I ask everybody this question just for fun. Do you have a celebrity crush? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I years ago when I was in the army, there was I'm supposed to give a one word answer, but too bad. There was a movie <laughs> called The Blue Max. And the actress in there was Ursula Andress. She's probably older than me now. I don't even know if she's alive or not, but she was my crush in 1966 when I was at Fort Ben Harrison, Indiana, uh, just nice. after baby training. So Ursula Andress is the one. I forgot about her for probably 20, 30 years till just now, Megan. So that is I awesome. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I can forgive you for that or not. <laughs> I can confidently say. <laughs> Ursula Andrus has never been mentioned as a celebrity crush before on this podcast. I can, and I doubt that, I don't know that she will again. That's us. I actually think I know who that is. That's great. You haven't interviewed anybody as old as me before. So I'm just, I don't I'm, know. I'm just about 79. You're, you're, but you're 79 years young. Absolutely. Um, well, almost. Um, do you do still or carbonated water or do you, do you do diet soda? Oh, I drink mostly water. I'll have a full bore of Coke once or twice a week. Okay. I never drink the diet stuff. My wife always said, if you're going to drink it, go all the way. <laughs> so I go to Costco and I buy a 36 pack occasionally and may maybe once a week, possibly twice, but I'm not, a not addicted to it or anything. You uh, just mostly do. I don't think maybe once or twice a week is an addiction. No, I, I still have a couple of them. So. Nobody ever told me I couldn't. So. <laughs> I think you're in the clear. Uh, <laughs> and uh, what about the furthest place you've traveled? Well, I was in Japan when I was in the army. I was in South Korea. That would probably probably be it. They weren't they weren't fun places for me, but they were the furthest <laughs> ones. I'd rather go a short distance to Disneyland with Ben. He takes me to Disneyland occasionally. Oh, that's. So. Fun. I love that part. He had me at Disneyland on my last birthday, my 78th birthday. So. Maybe you can talk him into going again. That wouldn't be hard. As long <laughs> as he pays. As long as he pays. <laughs> That's the benefit of having kids, right? It, what, All it's, that, it's that boomerang. That it's that boomerang principle you were talking about. What you put out into comes back. If folks were wanting to connect with you, is are, are you on social media or do you have an email or should they just send a DM to Ben? Oh, oh I'm on Facebook and okay. Instagram. Okay. And last year and a half, I posted 21 three-minute short videos. Wow. So, so I'm online for 24 times times three minutes. Hey, and that's, that's, that's twice a month. 
I'm actually getting a pretty good response. That's great. So it's, okay. only, it's only because Ben's friends read them. I don't think I, I haven't gotten out of the, you know, Ben's friend group. So it's not like I'm setting the world on fire here, Megan. <laughs> well, um, is it just Buzz Shalati? Yes. Shalati. Sorry. Sorry. Buzz Shalati, I know how to say it. I think you're setting the world on fire. I do. <laughs> I think you're leading. Yeah. With all the flames, all of the torches, all the things, um, you are making a huge difference. You are leading with so much love, so much grace and compassion. And I think we as parents can learn a lot from the Shalatis. So well, I, I want I want to commend you, Megan, for having me on. This is the first time I've ever been on a podcast. And Ben and Charlie are starting into their sixth year, and they've never asked me to be on their podcast. So <laughs> I don't know what that says about you or what it says about them. But when when we finish this little podcast, whenever we do, I'm going to just celebrate and I'm going to get myself a full bore eight ounce Coke. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You can have two. I give I give you permission. You can have two. I feel so privileged that you uh, agreed to this interview. And I know your words are going to touch many hearts and it's going to be a snowball effect. I know this. I've seen this before. I have experienced it. So thank you. Thank you so much. I've loved having you on. My pleasure, Megan. Thank you. Have a great day. I am a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network. The Dialogue Podcast Network features shows by Latter-day Saints who wish to bring their faith into dialogue with the larger stream of world religious thought and with human experience as a whole, and to foster artistic and scholarly achievement based on their cultural heritage. For more information, go to dialoguejournal.com forward slash podcasts. Hopeful Spaces is a Dallas Hope Charities component of Hopeful Discussions, sponsored by Mercedes-Benz Financial Services USA. It's a free monthly parent, ally, or caregiver support group facilitated by Megan Skidmore Coaching. Email chc at dallashopecharities.org for more info. Visit meganskidmorecoaching.com to find this podcast and additional free resources, including the link for a complimentary coaching session. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram for more or to send me a DM. Help the podcast grow. Please follow, review, and share with a friend. Thank you.